Well, uh, this morning was all about unity, and I want you to know something in prayer. Uh, it was interesting watching the Holy Spirit bring that out, and uh, how nobody has it planned, and yet, and so this morning and yesterday, that's what he was talking to me about, and I want to show you something that he showed me just yesterday. Uh, so this is fresh, hot off the press, amen. And uh, just, just a, a short little snippet here, because we have a responsibility uh, to unity, but before I jump in that, I want to say this. Listen, uh, today is going to be a great day, and I think I actually get to preach the message I've been trying to preach for a month today. Uh, but, you know, the Spirit's been moving, and we've been seeing the power of God. We've been seeing supernatural deliverance in many, many ways. Uh, at the same time, one of the things that we've been seeing is uh, an attack as well. And I loved what our leadership did the other day. Uh, it was obvious that there were attacks coming against the body of Christ, and I got a message from our leadership in the leadership thread laughing. Like, I, they, they said, this is so silly, and I'm excited about what God's about to do. It's obvious the devil is trying to hold back something. And how about it when we get to the place where the devil can try his best and give his best shot, and, and we're just laughing at him, right? You know that fight is over. You know that battle is done. We've already won. We already have the victory, especially. So that's your leadership. They, they're like, this is awesome. I hadn't seen an attack like this in a while. And, you know, the world would say, that's crazy. But no, that's actually knowing that Jesus is Lord and knowing that Jesus is the king. And he saves us from whatever we need saving from. And that's what this series is about, which is why the Lord had us go into a series called An Overcoming Life. How many people in here, you want to be an overcomer? Yeah. yeah. Do you realize to be an overcomer, you have to have something to overcome? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Wait a minute. But in order to overcome, you've got to have something to overcome. To be an overcomer, you've got to have something that you overcome. To be a conqueror, there's got to be something that you conquer. And listen, when Jesus paid the price for it all, he paid the price for it all. He said this, all power and authority is given unto me. How much does that leave for the devil? None. None. However, doesn't it seem like the devil does have some power sometimes? His power comes from the way that we believe or don't. His power comes when we do not trust in Jesus as our Savior, but we trust more in the problem or the lack in our lives or portions of the curse more than we trust in Him to be our Savior. We actually empower Him by our own authority. Right? So we've got to understand that yes, we have an enemy in this world, there's corruption, there is something to overcome. And it's when you start realizing that God is always leading you to triumph. And he will manifest through you the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. When that becomes not just a good saying, but that becomes a reality to you, when the attacks come, you start laughing. And have you ever seen a bush uh, that was doing okay, but then you pruned it? And all of a sudden, you prune it, you give it a little bit of time, and that thing just flourishes. I've never, we, we started, it'll be 11 years ago in our house, 11 years ago in our house in January, right? I've never felt what I'm feeling now in the spirit. Yeah. 
I've never felt the excitement in the spirit for what's about to happen now. Because we've been pruned before and God's always come through. I've, I've never seen, David said this, I've been young, I've been old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or, or begging bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We can stand on that too. But I've never seen a time where we weren't attacked, where God didn't just come in and provide. But here's the thing about that. Every one of those times in the past, we were growing to even know who we are. This time, we know who we are. We know where we're going. We know what we're doing. I've never had so much excitement and expectation and hope on the things of God because I know what he's doing. He, remember in the beginning of this series, there was uh, we talked about R5, and it said you have to release. Remember it said you have to release. Y'all can sit down. Y'all can sit down. I'm going to just move right into the message. So you might come back. We might finish with worship, just we'll be led. Amen, I need a table. <laughs> I can see what the Lord's doing right now. Here, you want to go there? <laughs> you remember, you remember in that series on an overcoming life called R5? You remember, one of, the, one of the things was there was a release, right? We had to release things that were holding us back. Sometimes they could be habits in our lives. Sometimes, sometimes they could be people in our life. You know, there's certain people you don't need to hang around because they're always pulling you back. Thank you. There's, they're always pulling you back. You have to understand that no matter who you are or where you are, there's things that Jesus will say, release. release. And you, you've got to realize that who's more important to you? Who's the priority? Who's on the throne? God and his way and his kingdoms or those things that emotionally we want to hang on to? we got to break the sound barrier like what Mark was saying. we gotta, we got to take off for the Lord. With, to whom much is given, much is required. We cannot... Sit still and bury our talents. We've got to do. We've got to go. And it's time to go. When part of that release, part of what you see is this, is that there's a release. All right, Lord, we're letting go of the past. We're moving up to another level. We're moving up to a higher place. We're moving up. We're overcoming. We're overcoming that gravity. We're overcoming that gravity that's trying to hold us back in the spirit. We're overcoming the, the enemy's attacks. We're overcoming these things and moving to the places of God. In order to do that, we've got to release. We've got to let go of some stuff. We've got to let go of the flesh that, that holds us down. We've got to set aside every weight that, that keeps us from running our race. We've got to move into the things of God. Many of you this morning, you're like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to drop what I need to drop. I'm ready to lay it at the altar. I'm ready to go. Glory to God. And you feel that? It feels different up here sometimes, don't it? <laughs> Yeah, amen. That's the anointing flowing in this place this morning. I knew today was a different day. I feel like today is the breakthrough day. And many of you, as you hear this message today, you're going to hear what God wants to do. You're going you're gonna to hear the plan for your life. Find, something's going to click and you're going to get it. And you moved from being somebody who every now and then overcomes to somebody who overcomes all the time through Jesus Christ. 
He's called you to be more than a conqueror. He's called you to be like Him. And He is an overcomer. The overcomer lives on the inside of us if you know Jesus. This is who you are. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we just praise you so much. Lord, help us to overcome today. Help us let it click today. Let us, let us sense what you're doing in our lives today. Let us receive everything you have for us today. Lord, let nothing be held back. Lord, your word says you are not withholding any good thing from those who walk righteously. Thank you, Lord. You're not withholding it. You're not forsaking us. No, Jesus, you were forsaken. And things were held back from you so that they would never be held back from us. Lord, all we got to do is do our work. Put on faith. John 6, this is the work. That you believe him who was sent. Lord, we believe. And we, uh, we just ask you, Lord, release us to the fullness of your overcoming. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Now this morning I told you, this is so important and it's going to feed into our message. Uh, turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 1. Ephesians 4, 1. Hallelujah. Just listen to this. You remember last week, I think it was, I said... Your emotions and your feelings are not as important as what God is up to. Your emotions and your feelings are not as important as what God is up to, right? It's pointing that camera at me. I'm having to get my mind off of it. You know, if somebody does it, you won't go. <laughs> All right. Your emotions and your feelings are not as important as what God is up to. And many times, to be an overcomer, you've got to put down your emotions and your feelings. They will lead you astray. The Bible does not say uh, that we are led by our emotions, that we're led by our feelings. The Bible says that the children of God, in Romans 8, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Right. We are led by the Spirit of God. Now, listen to this. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord... Uh, you notice what he says there. He's saying, I have given myself freely to captivity of everything that Christ would have me do. I'm a prisoner. I've made myself. He's declaring it over himself. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. In other words, I'm not, I'm not free to make my own choices anymore. I put myself in Jesus' hands and he is Lord indeed. He is the one who calls the shots in my life. He's the director of my life. I make myself his prisoner. I'll do what he wants me to do. I'll put me and my flesh down and I will only do what he says. He says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord. Now this is important. Because then it says, I implore you, or this means I beg you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Uh-oh. This means he's about to lay out something that says you were called in a manner, and I'm begging you, you need to walk in it. Right. Then he says this, with all humility and gentleness. With all humility and gentleness. Now listen, we're not easy on the devil, but we are easy on the people that are around us. We love on them. 
You know, the Lord a while back, and I'm still meditating on it, but he started talking to me about gentleness. And right here he says, hey, this is a command that we should walk. The Holy Spirit led this scripture, inspired this scripture, that we should walk with gentleness. Do you understand that gentleness has to do a lot with uh, how we receive people? And what, how do we handle them? You know, if you go into a fine art museum and they take off something that's very precious and they work on it, right? Um, and you don't hang out with my wife and Barrett, uh, who like you. It was not fine art, that's true. Uh, they went to a museum one time and, uh, you know, she had to repent later, I'm sure. You repented because it said, don't touch. And then they were like, we got to touch everything, you know. But to be fair, it was, it was garbage. They sent me some pictures of the museum. I was like, what was, what was one of the things that was art there? Some milk jug rings. Like the rings, you know, when you open up a bottle. Just tell me. So the I, rings, they had a necklace. Behind class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the art was they took milk jug rings, made a necklace out of it. This is like in an adult art museum as something very special. I'm like, wow, my kid did that in first grade. It was like, it was like that was really special. And then one of the art uh, was an inflatable dolphin that was like you could buy at Dollar General or whatever. <laughs> Perched on a bench, and that was art. Like, that's not art, you know, anyway. So they were... They were offended by their fine art. But anyway, uh, have you, in a real fine art place, in a real fine art place, what do they do when they handle documents? You ever remember seeing what's the uh, national treasure, right? And when they, man, they got the gloves on. They don't even want to touch it. They don't want any oils to get on that document, right? They, you handle it with gentleness. Many times when people are in our lives, you know, what they, uh, I, I, Paul, will you come here? This will be awesome. <laughs> so many times, imagine that Paul's coming to me as a leader, right? And he's coming and he's got the trajectory that life has put him on, right? He's got the trajectory that life has put him on with the fire of the flesh, the fire of a corrupted world. In other words, he's aiming at me, and, and here I am, pastor and Christian. And so back up a little bit. And so now, you don't have to go all out on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But imagine, imagine that he's coming at me as a Christian, and he's coming with all fire and fur. Now, I'm going to stand up, so I know... Normally, I would probably bounce this way, but I want you to act like I actually made a hard wall, okay? All right, because so, you're like bigger than I am, but anyway. All right, so imagine he, he's coming at me. If, if, I'm, if I'm hard, if I'm rigid, right, what happens? Right? There's a collision. Things get hurt. There's damage, all right? But if I'm gentle... See, he's not stopping because he's the one in corruption. He's the one who's set on fire by the world. We're called to be gentle. And he says, look, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm begging you to put on gentleness. So now, come. So if I'm gentle, 
I give him the ability to slow down without hurting himself. To change directions, to change speed, right? Gentleness, thank you. So many times what happens is we're, we're rigid like that, like that kitchen sponge that's dried out, right? And uh, you, go to, you go to wash something and it just breaks in your hand because we're dried out. We don't have the living water. This is what makes us rigid and not gentle. And, and listen, uh, one of the, understand, it's not just going through the motions. It's letting the word change your heart. One of the most, one of, hear this, one of the most cruel things Nicole and I have ever seen done in our life. I mean, cruel. When, when, when this event happened, I mean, my mouth fell open. Oh, I didn't know what, I, I was like, oh my gosh, cruel things. One of the most cruel things emotionally I've ever seen done came by somebody who, who declared to everybody that they read their Bible two and three times, two and three, time, two and three hours a day. Listen, just because you read the Bible two and three hours a day doesn't mean that you're godly. That, that thing had not affected their heart. They hadn't received. That word had not affected. It had not made them gentle. It made them hard. We've got to be, we've got to be gentle. And he's saying, I'm begging you to do that. Imagine gentleness has to do with like cushion. In other words, if something's fallen, imagine an egg falling to the ground. How can it not break when something below it is gentle? This is what we're called to be. We're not called to be hard towards one another. We're called to submit our one to another, to be gentle with one another. We are putting down our emotions and, and our feeling that we need to defend ourselves so that we can be gentle to the ones around us. Now, that doesn't mean that we play that way with the devil. No, we're called to destroy him and overcome him. But listen, people are not the devil. People aren't. Now, people can be moved by a devil and they can be moved by a spirit. And many times what happens is uh, you'll see a minister, they'll be dealing with the devil, not with the person. And, and they'll be dealing with it or they'll be preaching. And that demon, that devil will be being cast out, being kicked out. But they're not dealing with the person. They're dealing with that devil so that they can then receive that person with all gentleness. Does that make sense? So one of the things that happens here, watch what he says. He says, I'm begging you, as a prisoner of the Lord, I'm begging you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness. And, and understand, I, I don't want to confuse you, but I do want to show you something. I want to show you the balance of this. Did Jesus walk with all humility and gentleness? Well, what about that moment, you know, when he fashioned the whip? That he drove out the money changers out of the temple? Was that humility? Oh yeah. It was humility. Because he couldn't sin. Was it gentleness? Yeah, it was. So, you know, people, people file things in the wrong place sometimes. And if, you, if you're trying to figure out, well, what is gentleness here in this situation, that's what you have a pastor for, to help, who's probably been through that situation, knows what to do in that, and get confirmation before you just start unloading on the money changers in your life, right? Get some confirmation before you just start wearing them out. 
But you have to understand, gentleness and humility, he wore it all the time. What is he doing? How can that be gentle and how can that be humble? He's dealing with that religious spirit that was going to take them to hell. He's dealing with it and we know this. Humility is not just humility. Humility is not somebody over in the corner whimpering and just like, oh, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I'm as filthy rags. No, that's who you were. You are now made the righteousness of God in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. We, our righteousness is as filthy rags. If we try and apply it ourselves, that's who we were, but that's not who we are now. See, humility, a lot of people put on false humility trying, trying to be something that they're not. No, that, that humility is I humble myself to everything that the Father says. The Bible says this. He says, Jesus did everything he saw the Father do, and he said everything he heard the Father say. In other words, he, when he uh, fashioned the whip and he kicked those money changers out of the temple, he, the Father had told him to do that, and in all humility, he did exactly that. Did that make people a fan of him? Well, probably not. You know, I can remember a few years ago when I, get, I got to the end of the service, I think what, we were starting at 11 at that time. We were starting at 11 o'clock, and I'd get, you know, to 12.30, and everybody's face would be like. And I'd be done. I would have exhausted my notes. I'm at the end. And I remember the Holy Ghost saying, keep going. I'm like, I do not want to keep going. Can you see how they're looking at me? He said, keep going. I said, I don't want to keep going. They're looking at me funny. He said, keep going. What's he doing? See, the reason why we get so antsy around noontime is because we've been conditioned by it. We've been conditioned that church gets out at that time and now our flesh is antsy and, and we're hungry. So instead of putting down the flesh, we've been taught to cater to it. And he was raising up a group and a house and a body that would not cater to the flesh. That would not cater. We're not called to be led by the flesh. And so in humility, I was like, ah, and I'd keep preaching. I'd preach sometimes for another 30 minutes or an hour. And I mean, people's face would just sink. And, and, and they'd be looking at their watch, literally had somebody like, <laughs> one time. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, you got to understand. I, I, start, I started to finally understand what Jesus said. Hey, you want to go too? There's the door. Because... And the Lord got on to me. He said, are you trying to raise up a group of spiritual weaklings? Or are you trying to raise up some overcomers? And in order to raise up some overcomers, I had to be humble. And I had to humble myself to what the Holy Spirit was saying. And in order for you to be an overcomer, you've got to be willing to humble yourself. And sometimes that means letting go. Sometimes it means uh, being gentle even when you need to like knock that person and wake them up and be an alarm clock. But sometimes the Holy, what is the Lord saying right now? Humility is being obedient to whatever God says. And he knows what that person's going through. He knows when this guy's charging and all he wants you to do is respond and have a collision between the flesh and the Christian he, so that now he can get on Facebook and tell you how ugly that Christian was to me. And so and he knows what that person after. And when that person comes and they're expecting a fight and they receive gentleness, oh, it does something. Now they got to deal with it. It's kind of like that person in traffic that tells you that you're number one. 
you know? And then you, then you like, smile and wave them. Right? All of a sudden, they got to deal with that. They got to deal with that. Like, like, and here's the problem with it. They're going, I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> you're supposed to get mad at me. I tell you you're number one. You get mad. We rah, rah, rah. We feel better in the flesh. And then when you're like, I love you, like that, they're like, what do you do with that? I don't know what to do with that. It's the same thing. The person comes, he wants a fight with a Christian, and he receives humility and gentleness. All of a sudden, they're like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. It, it, here's what happens. We have this shell that's around us that the world has taught us to protect us. There's, when, when you inject love, all of a sudden, that shell fractures. And I can inject love right in there. It's what gentleness can do. All of a sudden, I get to inject God is love. I get to inject God into that person with all spiritual legal rights. That's what turning the other cheek does. See, turning the other cheek is not just about you know, making sure that both sides of your face feel pain equally. That's not what it's about. It's, it's not about making sure that you have symmetrical pain on both sides. I got equal pain on both sides. It's not about that. Here's what it's about. When somebody, when somebody takes something from you, don't you have a legal right to go into their life if they're found out? And even the Bible says if a thief is found out, he is to pay sevenfold, right? There's a legal right when somebody takes something from you. When somebody comes and they're trying to take comfort from me or trying to take something from me or they're trying to steal that moment from Jesus all, all of a sudden and they do something against me I have the ability when I get slapped on the cheek I have the ability at that moment to take a legal right and take take from them but here's the thing what they literally do is they they when they do something against you and against us they open up their lives. They crack the shell on their own. Do you know how hard it is to crack the shell on people today? They have so many input. They have so many things that are, that are preaching at them daily. Like they don't, we don't even see half the ads that go in front of our face. Why? Because we've, we've, the world, by its busyness, has formed a shell. And when you go to talk to them about Jesus, like they don't even want, they don't even want to hear about Jesus. And you can't break through. You can't crack that shell. But when they do something against you, what it does on their own, all of a sudden, they legally crack the shell for you and give you a right to either take something for yourself or give something for the kingdom. And when we will forgive and turn the other cheek, actually what happens is it says seek first the kingdom of God, right? And it says when you, when you do this, all these things will be added to you. When I seek first, not myself, but I seek first the kingdom and I forgive, I actually, what I'm planting an eternal seed and his word will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. I'm injecting love right into that situation. I'm injecting love right into that, that person that would never crack the shell for me the moment they do something against me and I don't take for myself 
I'm able to inject an eternal, all-powerful, all-loving God. Not only can it, that can be the one time that the seed of the word ever gets planted when you forgive in that person. But here's the other thing. Because when I seek the kingdom first, he gives me everything. It's the quickest way to get back whatever it is I need. It's the quickest way to get back whatever it is I need. And, you know, uh, about a year ago, we were down and um, we were traveling uh, at a conference, and uh, Nicole and I were staying with some friends at a house. And uh, the very last night, uh, the house gets broken into, and uh, lots of stuff got stolen, and uh, I mean, a lot of expensive stuff. Her computer, my computer, watches, I mean, it was. It was a lot, right? And uh, their stuff, our stuff, everybody there. And, uh, you know, you, you get mad. But the, the sheriff comes, it's the middle of the night, it's like two, you know, it was a late service, and we didn't get home till one, one or two or something like that. Great service, awesome. I mean, also, the Bible says this, the enemy comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. He comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. Uh, we just finished up this week, very last service. I mean, the word was given to us. It was awesome power. God was flowing. We go in. They're like, you're not going to believe what happened. We've been robbed. What? And the sheriff gets there, and she's like, who are y'all people? Like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Y'all are making pancakes, cracking jokes. You're lifting me up. Like, I'm being lifted up because we... Why? Because there's a knowledge. Hey, we're, just because stuff got... Stolen doesn't mean our provider is AWOL. Our provider lives. Our redeemer lives. And all we do, and we immediately said, Lord, all right, listen, whatever this, you know, we believe in Jesus' name that because of the anointing that's on this stuff, right, that whatever crime ring it fell into, let it be shut down in Jesus' name. Let the blessing of God fall on that thing and let it completely demolish any curse that's, that's active in that place. And then all of a sudden, what we said now, and we forgive them. We forgive them. Well, what happened? Before we could even get home, things were starting to come back. Things were starting. And we got repaid over and over and over again. The Lord provided. He had it all the time. Now, if I'd have gotten mad and gotten upset, and I, I, then I, I might have gotten back something, but I wouldn't have gotten back everything that we needed. It wouldn't have been full. It wouldn't have been, here's the big point, it wouldn't have been the right way. With all humility and gentleness, 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 we need to pay attention to it. This is how we need to be with one another is gentle. Gentle in this way. Hard on the devil. You know, 1 John 3, 8. This, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. To destroy. He wasn't playing around with the devil. He was destroying his works. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If, if there's, a, there's a murderer sitting, you know, sitting over here, right? Am I just going to let him sit there? No. I'm in covenant with you guys. You're a part of my body. You're a part of my family. I'm not, we're dealing with them. You know? If somebody comes in here, they have ill intent in their heart. We're dealing with them. With, with as little force as possible, but it will be dealt with, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, we, why? Because we're in covenant. God is a covenant God. Matter of fact, he says it very clearly in Genesis 12. He said, those who bless you, I'll bless. 
Those who curse you, I'll curse. He's a covenant God. A lot of people in the in New Testament, it's like they forget that, that God doesn't have a heart of protection. One of the parts of salvation is protection. Protection. That no evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. He is a covenant God. Now many times we don't see that because we don't put faith in Him as a protector. We just put faith in going to heaven, but not in Him as a protector. And He says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So where the world would try to rise up and, and it would try to come against you, we've got to put faith in Him as our protector. And when we do that, He'll protect us. When we put faith in Him as a healer, He'll heal us. When we put faith in Him as a Savior, He'll save us. When we put faith in Him as a connector back to our loving Father, He will be the door and we'll connect. Well, we put faith, the character traits of Jesus, of God, that we put faith in, those are the things that we will receive the overcoming in. We've got to put faith in Him. Now look at this. He says, with all humility and gentleness... With patience. Dang it, Paul, you're not supposed to be crashing into me and trying to tackle me anymore. It's been six years. With patience. With patience. Many of you have seen, you know, well, Pastor, I've been going through the same thing now for three years, and I'm, just, I'm trying to break it. I don't want it, but... I keep messing up. I'm just sorry. I just don't want you to keep, keep, you know, I don't want you to stop loving on me and everything. And what do you find? Patience. Is it right? No. Are we going to be patient? Yeah. I just, I missed it. Okay. Did you repent? Yeah. Then if God, if God in all his wisdom saw fit to forgive you, because you really repented and forgive and forget because he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, then who am I to stand up in pride and say, well, I'm remembering it though. You know, I'm going to hold it against you for the next five years. Who am I? Many times the, the leadership team can tell you this and Nicole can tell you this. Many times people do stuff and, and uh, I'll, they'll say, do you remember when this person did this thing wrong? And I'm like, they did? I don't remember that. I, well, okay, now I think I remember it now that you brought it up. Why? Because this is put it on the heart of God. Well, I'll forgive, but I'm not forgetting. That's, that's devilish. That's devilish. God is, I'll forgive and forget. I'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. They'll never come back together. I'll cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. It'll be blotted out completely. There'll be no trace. It'll be completely cleansed. All those sins that the devil keeps trying to bring up to you in condemnation. Do you remember when you did this? Do you remember when? Did you repent? Yeah. I, look, if you tried to bring it up to God, he'd be like, what, what sin? What are you talking about? What sin? Well, this is the way we're supposed to be with one another. What? <laughs> 70 times 7, he said. That means if Paul tries to tackle me, this is not, this is not permission. If he tries to tackle me 490 times in a day, I'm supposed to forgive him and forget about it. 
seven times 70. 70 times 7. It's not permission. <laughs> Amen? You receive that. All right, good. Just want to make that straight before I got blindsided. But I don't want to do that. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Yeah, but you've been called with a calling to walk a certain way like Jesus, empowered by him. And the Holy Spirit here is saying, I'm begging you to walk in that manner, walk on that level with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Showing tolerance for one another. Now, he's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. You, you understand. He's talking to believers, one believer to another, showing tolerance for one another. And, and don't get the world's uh, definition of tolerance mixed up with, with Jesus' definition of tolerance. The world's definition of tolerance right now is if you don't think the way that I do, you're not tolerant. No, no, that actually is when tolerance goes into effect, when I don't think the way that you do. Because I'll still love you. I'll still forgive you. I'll, I'll still be here to help you. I'll let you do what you want to do. You understand, Jesus, God could do this. God could come down and zap every single one of us and make us do godly things and look like Jesus. He didn't do it. Praise God. Because it would be maybe a very boring world if we all did the same thing, Right? He he's not looking for robots. See, a robot can't make a choice to love. We were made in his image and likeness. The only thing that fuels us is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God, love. Love, if, if I put a gun to Paul's head and I say, do this, well, he may do it, but he's not choosing to do it. He's doing it out of force. That's not love. Love is a choice. Love is, I'm choosing to do what's right, even when my flesh doesn't want to. Yep. So we're, we're, you have to understand that tolerance begins when we disagree. Yep. Unity begins when we disagree. Submission begins when we disagree. Ooh, does a Tolerance. Right? Unity, submission, all of those begin where we disagree. Before that, we're in agreement. I don't have to have tolerance for you when we're in agreement. I don't have to, I don't have to put on unity when we're in agreement. We're already agreed. I don't have to submit myself when we're in agreement. I have to submit myself when we're in disagreement. When, and what he's saying is, when you still have remainder, remaining pieces of the world and you're not putting on the mind of Christ and you don't see, and, and you still are in this corrupted world and you see through a glass darkly, you're going to see it one way, I'm going to see it another way, somebody else is going to see it another way, and that's where you need to have tolerance for one another and you need to be humble to say, Lord, it could be me that's missing it. <gasps> no. It could be us that's missing it. What? Not me. Certainly. Oh, yeah, it could be. Oh, yeah. 
Moving on. Verse 3. Listen, there's still a command. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Being diligent. Listen to this. I'm going to read this in the uh, Amplified. Here, I got it right here. In the Amplified, be eager. Talking about unity. Be eager to go after unity. And strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. Be eager and strive to keep the unity. Be eager and strive to keep the unity. Be eager and strive to keep the unity. This is a part of what humility and gentleness and patience does. It's eager and it strives to keep that. Now, why is this important? Let, let's go to Psalms 133. Guess what? You know that, that message that I thought I was getting to? We're not getting there. Maybe next week. It's a really good message. I really want you to hear it. It's pretty awesome. Psalm 133, the unity psalm. Be eager and strive. Why does Jesus want us to strive for unity? Why does he want us to, to be tolerant with one another, to be gentle, to, to put on humility? Why does he want us to be patient with one another? Why does, why does he want us to give each other the benefit of the doubt? Over in 1 Corinthians, in the Amplified, it says, Love believes the best. Oh, I heard something about you. Uh, yeah, y'all know it's true. That's not believing the best. That's not love. Love's like, no, I believe that you, unless I've got two or three witnesses, I believe that you strove to do the best thing, that you were working to do the best thing. Even though I may have evidence in my face, love believes the best. It says, by two or three witnesses, let it be established. These are spiritual laws. These are kingdom principles. But see, love believes the best. And so it doesn't matter what is said and what is done. Listen, the devil's in all that. It's the small foxes that destroy the vine. It's the small foxes. It's the small things. It's how I'll come up and be like, hey, did you see what they said the other day? Um, they're, they're wearing a jacket just like you are. He saw your jacket. He wanted to steal your thunder. Now that's ridiculous until you listen to it a little bit. And then it grows as a septic thought. That's why we got to take every thought captive. We got to strive to keep the unity. Because why? Why does Jesus want us to go into the unity? It says, look how good it is, Psalm 133, how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Now who's writing this? Who's writing this? 
Yeah, David, uh, is this David? Yeah, this is a psalm of David. This is David writing it, but who's pinning it? Who's giving the words? Who's inspiring every scripture? The Holy Spirit. All, all scripture is inspired by God. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, God is saying how good. Listen, this is not just Brian talking about it on Sunday morning. This is not just you. This is not your neighbor. This is God saying how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. What is it like? I'm glad you asked. Verse 2. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and coming down upon the edge of his robes. Unity brings, it's like it brings the anointing of God. You remember when we, when we started this series out, one of the things that we said is you've got to have the anointing. You need the supernatural. If you don't have the supernatural, good luck because you're not going to get it done in the natural. You've got to have the anointing. Well, unity brings the anointing. But I want you to also see this. How does the anointing flow? How does the anointing flow? It flows on the head and then the beard, and then it flows to all the fringes of the robe. The head is Christ, the beard is his leadership that he has established in his church. It's the eldership, it represents that. But it doesn't flow to the edge of the robes if it doesn't flow through the eldership. And it doesn't flow through the eldership if they're not connected to the head. When we get in unity, the supernatural power of God flows. It's what you've been experiencing. It's why it shook you like you grabbed a hold of 220 volts last week. It's the unity, it's the anointing that flows. It's the anointing that, that sets the captive free of a supernatural debt cancellation, right? And it, it's the anointing that does this. And unity is like the place where the anointing flows, but we've got to be connected. If we're all disconnected and disjointed, then all of a sudden the anointing is not flowing. None of us are walking in the supernatural. It's why God is saying, I have come. In John 17, he says, I'm praying. One of my last prayers, Jesus prays. He says, Lord, I pray that they would be one just as you and me are one. In other words, unity on the same level that Jesus and the Father had it. That's what he's saying. What kind of unity does that look like? Oh my goodness, have we seen it? No, we're too busy nitpicking and talking about what they're wearing and, and copying and stealing my thunder and, and well, I heard this and I heard that. And, and we're just falling right into the devil's traps because if we'll get in unity, the anointing will flow. And watch this, verse 3 says this. It's like the dew of Herman, Herman coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there, unity is the place, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. Now I want you to know, there's a difference between a blessing released and a blessing commanded. You know, a blessing released, let's say that, that what was in this uh, bottle right here, uh, there was something very special about it, and it was this bottle was just filled with liquid gold. Let's just say that, right? 
And I said, hey, that bottle's for anybody uh, who wants it. You can come up and get it right now. Liquid gold. You can have it. Uh, it it's worth uh, millions of dollars right now. You can have it. You can have it. You, all you got to do is come and get it. You can have it. It's a blessing. It's sitting there. You can have it. All you got to do is come and get it. You can have it. You can have it. That blessing's released. That blessing's released. You can have it. Oh, there. And see, that's the way God's blessings are all the time. They're sitting there on the table, written and promised, a legal document sitting there waiting for us, healing, deliverance, restoration, protection, provision, saving from everything we need saving from. It's who he is. They're ready. They're sitting there. It's a blessing release, but many believers, they're not getting up by faith and grabbing a hold of it. And, and it's like, you know, they're sitting there. Finally, what happens is believers will start to wake up. And, and who, you know, I forget um, who it was I was talking to this week. Uh, oh, I know what it was. You were telling me the story about the guy. And he was like, how? He started reading the, the book of Acts. He's like, how come we don't see this in the church? And Paul was like, well, we do. You know, but he was saying, he said, we do. At Boomerang, we do see this. But here's the thing. You gotta believe it. You gotta act on it. Faith without works is dead. The blessing can be released. But see, when you get in unity, it's a blessing commanded. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. God just comes and He just pours it out. He commands the blessing. You can't stop it. Light be a commanded blessing. And He just pours out His goodness everywhere. When we get in unity, God will sit in heaven and say, Blessing, come on, boomerang. You see them in unity? In the name of Jesus, blessing be. Dead be canceled. Healing come. All of a sudden, you start to see the blessing of God. Why? And this is the reason He wants to pour out like that is not only because he loves you but it, he says that when we move into prosperity it establishes his covenant it brings glory to God for him to bless you that's scripture it says that he gets glory when you receive the, his blessing when you receive who he is and so he's just waiting on some believers to get in position to receive it to get in position of unity and so when we get in unity the blessing flows the anointing flows the supernatural starts to work in our life. But we can't just go, oh, I wish unity would come. I sure wish unity would come. Sure would be nice if unity would come. No, unity is a blessing sitting on the table that's been released, waiting for believers to put some faith in it and say, I will be gentle. I will be humble. I will be patient. I will strive for unity. I will strive for these things. It's sitting there waiting for somebody to say, by God, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. I'll turn the other cheek because I know when I'm doing this, I'm seeking you first and putting the kingdom first and all things will be added, not just to me, but life is not designed just to fill me up. It's designed to be a flow that will fill you to the full till it overflows in John 10, 10. Life, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that you might have life to the full till it overflows. How much do we have a God who believes in unity? Turn to Hebrews 11. Now this chapter, if you don't know it, this, is, this chapter is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I love this chapter. It's awesome. 
Why? Because it outlines some people. It says over in um, Hebrews, I think it's 6.12, it says, By faith uh, and patience we inherit the promises as we follow those who follow, who follow after Christ. In other words, this is a set of believers that we can look at and we can apply the faith and patience they did and we'll have the things that they had. I want you to see this. He goes on to talk about in, in verse 6, he says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Anybody in here want to please God? Yeah. And we got to get in faith. Anybody in here want to be an overcomer? He says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. You don't become an overcomer and overcome the lack and the curse in the world without putting faith on. And faith without works is dead. You've got to move into it. You gotta, it's released. It's waiting on you. God will even empower you to take hold of it and live it. But you've got to step out by faith and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to put on faith. I'm going to trust in your work. This is my work to believe him that you sent, to believe on Christ. This is my work in John 6. I'm going to put on faith. I love this chapter. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to overcome. Faith, faith is the entrance into it's like a currency in the kingdom of God your belief and your trust on him it's it's how you access the supernatural is by faith and and in order to have faith you know faith begins where the will of God is known I got to know what he said I got to know what he's promised or else how can I how can I put faith on something that I don't know about I've got to get in this word. I've got to study to show myself approved. I've got to know what he's given to me, know what he's promised. When I tell you a promise, you, you want to get to the point where you know where the scripture is. You know where the scripture is. You know where the scripture is that says he's given you the power to get wealth. You, you know where the scripture is where he, he tells you about his prosperity and he adds no toil to it. You, know, you want to know where the scripture is where it says on that cross he bore our sins and our sicknesses. Right By his stripes were healed. He sent his word and healed them. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He's granted to us all everything concerning life and godliness. He's made us partakers to be his, uh, of his divine nature. You want to know where these scriptures are. You want to know this promise in and out so that it comes out of you. So that when the devil puts pressure on a leadership team, they start laughing in the joy of the Lord, knowing what's coming. Knowing, oh God, you're about to pour out something. You want to get it in you so solid that you know, that you know, that you know the devil doesn't have a chance. Well, this chapter is about a bunch of people who did that. But then I want to show you something. Because I never really liked this verse. Until yesterday. The last two verses. They were, they were doing all this stuff. Some of them were put to death. and You have to understand too. The Bible says that he's tasted death. He tasted death so that you wouldn't have to. You know, it's, it's written in the early church documents that even when people were crucified in the early church, they would die, they had to stop doing it because they would die with smiles on their faces. Because there was something that came on them. You remember the story of Stephen? 
And here he is. He's getting stoned, hitting the head with stones enough to kill him. He, he's not even feeling them. He looks up, he says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. Oh, glory to God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Are we doing things that make Jesus stand to his feet? Whew. But you're going to. But you're going to. You might have done it here and there, but you're going to do it on a regular basis. You're going to do it on a regular basis. Here it is. It just talks about these people who believed in faith and they were, they were tortured and sown in two and stuff like that. And a lot, of, a lot of today's Christians, they're like, that scares them away, not understanding the power of God that's with you in, in moments like that. They don't understand. You know, it's Jesus tasted death. They let that fear of death stop them from being who they're called to be. And now they're not bold. They're not confident. They don't stand up for unity because they're afraid of how that person will treat them. It's the same fear of death that's just on a smaller level. I'm afraid that this person will never relent and so they won't forgive the person. Well, I've got to stand up for myself. But God wants us to be in unity. That means we have to strive to keep the unity. We have to put on patience, humility, gentleness, right? We have to put on these things, forgiveness. We have to do it on purpose. Even when our flesh is screaming no, we have to say, no, I trust God more because he commanded me to be in unity. His prayer, Jesus, one of Jesus' last prayers was that we would be in unity like he and the Father were in unity. Let me show you the heart of the Father in unity. Let me show you this. Verse 39 and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. What? Look at the next verse. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. I wrote in the margin, I said... Either we go as a whole or we don't go at all. That's the heart of God towards unity. He's not the kind of God who says, okay, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll take some of you. No, he wants us to go as a whole. He wants us to go at all. And we need to, put, we need to take this heart on us that says, look, I'm not leaving this place until we rise up together. I'm going to put on unity so much that I'm not going to step out of line. I'll wait on other people. I'll be patient. I, I'm going to go as a whole or I'm not going at all. Several years ago, uh, we had a situation where somebody had messed up in the church. And, and they had legitimately, seriously messed up. And, and But the Lord came to me a couple of years before that, and he, I'd seen some error, and he said, you can either, you can, and I had the right to do this. He said, you can either kick them out now, you can either kick them out now, and you'll avoid some of these problems, or you can love on them, and you'll be able to do some things for them. But it'll probably cost you time and effort and tears. Either we go together or we don't go at all. If they choose to leave, that's them, but I'm not leaving them. 
I'm not leaving where God's planted me. I'm not leaving the people that God's planted me with. This is the heart of God, and we got to see it, and we got to see it in terms of unity, saying, all right, Lord, you planted me. I'm going to be unified, and I'm going to be in unity because you commanded me to, and also because it leads me to the best thing that I can ever be. There you release the anointing. There you release the blessing, and you don't just release it. You command it to happen. Lord, let us get in unity. See, when the heart of everyone in this place gets to the place of that unity, nothing will get, will be able to drive a wedge in you. As soon as you feel the point of a wedge that the devil starts in those small foxes trying to ruin the vine, you'll be like, get out of here, and you'll go and just say, hey, I don't know what happened. It could have been me. Uh, if it is me, I ask you to forgive me. And instantly, unity comes right back to that place. Oh, I don't, I, I had a conversation the other day with somebody a few months ago, and uh, they were, they, in the conversation, they were sitting there going, well, pastor, I don't know. I don't know. There's one thing, you know, I'm not sure if we see eye to eye on. And uh, I said, well, whatever it is, make sure that you come and talk to me and let's talk about it because I know how the devil works. It says, don't be ignorant of his ways and his devices. I, and he, I said, let's make sure that we talk about it because that thing, the moment when you're sitting, every time I talk about it or preach on it, you're going to be going, well, he's not right in that. What else is he not right in? Right. That's how the devil talks. And so instead of dealing with those issues and being afraid of confrontation, see, when we're in love, there's not confrontation. And we've got to be in love towards each other. We've got to be gentle and humble and forgiving and patient. What are we doing? We're striving to keep the unity because when we move to that place of unity, all of a sudden God commands the blessing. I'm telling you, I'm looking at a body right now that's about to go to places because yeah. you've decided to be in unity. You've decided to go to places heavenly. And God said, I'm seeing it. I'm releasing it. And a, word, a word that God uh, gave us last year was that this year would be a year of thrust like no other, to thrust into the harvest and receive the harvest. Well, you, you get to September and it feels the way it feels. It doesn't feel like it's that year. But that just shows you how supernatural it's going to be between now and the end of the year. What is he doing? What is he establishing? What kind of foundations is he laying for you, for your family, for your home, for this body? What is God up to to bring it about? I'm telling you, I'm excited about it. But we can't be, all right, I'm diligent today and I forget about it tomorrow. we got to keep... Keep it on. Put on that unity. Strive to keep it. Not let go of it. But Lord, I'm going after you. I implore you, Lord. Please help me to see it. Help me to put it on. Lord, I'll put on gentleness. I'll put on humility. I'll put on patience and forgiveness. And we will be the people who are going to say either we all go or none of us go. Come on, guys. Let's go together. Let's, let's lift up each other's arms. Let's go together and see the things that God has for us. Let's see the supernatural things that God has planned since the foundation of the world. Let's go to those places and be that people. That's what he's at. He's laying in front of you today. Let's do it. Let's go after it. Let's put on unity and let's see just what God has in his imagination ready to unleash in your life. Can you imagine the level at which God daydreams. 
Can you imagine? I mean, he says this. He says, I'll do, in Ephesians 3.20, he says, I'll do beyond what you can ask or think. I can ask and think a lot. I can think really big. He says, I'll do that and beyond it. And not only that, when you get there, he said, you'll still be asking or thinking beyond that. What level does he think on? Enough to have already seen how much I can imagine and ask or think and say it's beyond that. And when you get there, it'll still be beyond that. It's time for us to walk into some of God's imaginations, some of God's dreams for us. It's time to walk in these places. I'm not talking about just having all of our needs met, although that's a part of it as well. I'm talking about where the shadow, people start laying, not, not the pastor. I'm talking about believers walking down the streets of Albemarle and somebody just comes up and says, I don't know who you are. I just got to shake your hand. I feel like I'm, I need healing in my body. And when you shake their hand, the anointing, the supernatural that's commanded on you because you're in unity in a body comes on them and instantly they're healed of a terminal disease. I'm talking about you're standing in the bank line and all of a sudden there's somebody there and the Lord gives you a supernatural word and says you, you have found yourself in debt and no way you can get out of it but God is bringing something today that will change your financial future forever because he loves you. He cares for you. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. He loves you so much he's not mad at you. Just when he speaks, listen. And then two months later you're in the bank and the person comes back and they're glowing with the blessing and the anointing of God because all of a sudden they're walking in and all of a sudden the power of God has hit them. They've received salvation. They've received eternal life. You pray for somebody in Walmart and that 220 volts of the Holy Ghost hits them and then and they fall out and they call security and then as they come to kind of help, the anointing of God just blows them back and there's a big pile in Walmart and he hits the news and they say, we don't know what happened. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. There's no other description. I don't know what Jesus and revival breaks out. I mean, that's just what I can imagine in a few minutes. What does God want to do? What does he want to do through you? What can he do through you? God's calling you higher. He's calling us higher to be in unity. He's calling us to a place where His heavenlies are our realities. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's calling us to the place. He's, he's allowed us to be pruned so that we can now blossom. He's allowed us to move into a place where the anointing of God can touch a city, where the anointing of God can touch a region, where the anointing of God can touch a state. Where was the epicenter of that explosion of the power of God? I don't know, some little town called Albemarle. You remember where uh, Kelly Pickler, she was from there. Because that's what we're famous for. Well, it's time for that to change. How about let's be famous for Jesus? That was the place where the revival broke out in North Carolina and it swept up and down the East Coast. Uh, listen, maybe that's God's plan, maybe not, but we will be in it. Right. 
We will be a part of it, holding the line, running our race. We'll be in our lane right here in Albemarle. And we're not talking about a lane carrying just everyday church stuff. We're talking about carrying the supernatural power of heaven's resources and God's good, goodness and carrying it in reality. How does it come? Strive to keep the unity. And I'll empower you to overcome. John 17. Verse 16. Verse 13. But now, Jesus speaking, I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. By the prayer of Jesus, you are kept from the evil one. He may try, but even when he tries, you've got to stand up and know, I'm kept, I'm a kept person. By Jesus' prayer. Does Jesus get what he prays for? Does he ever pray not in faith? No. This thing's happened. You are kept. You might not have known it till today, and that might be why it didn't work for you, but you are kept. And even when it looks like you're not kept, say it with me. Say, we're kept. We're kept. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word, Father, is truth. As, listen to this. As you sent me... Some, somebody's going to get this. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. The same way that the Father sent Jesus, He is sending us. He is sending you. He's sending us now. The same way. The same way. The same way, the same calling, the same anointing, the same provision, if we'll grab a hold of it. He said, you'll do these works and greater. Make it yours. Verse 19, for their sakes, I sanctify myself, myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, he's talking to his disciples there, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Do you believe in Christ through his word? He's talking about you. Say it. He's talking about us. Verse 21. He's praying that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity 
so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. He says, when you go into unity and you go into oneness with one another and him and the Father, he will release his glory that the world will know. How's the world going to know? Because his glory on you will bring about the supernatural in their lives and the world will not be able to refute it. They'll say, I don't know what, Jesus. It was just Jesus. Jesus was here. Jesus showed up in Walmart. Jesus showed up in Albemarle. Jesus showed up in Boomerang Church. Jesus showed up. What did he look like? He looked like a unified body of believers walking in the glory of God. Jesus showed up. Father, today we just, we purpose in our hearts to be in unity. We purpose, Lord. Thank you, Father. Sotto la coma ayetenes, vrebes tu convadi, merede kutrom. Lord, we need your supernatural power. We need your supernatural anointing. We need unity. Lord, help us to see when the devil's trying to drive a wedge. Help us to recognize it and have the strength to step right out of it. We need your glory. We need your power in the name of Jesus. Mehofroko omani achere kofreke. We're going to go in to worship here in a minute. We'll finish uh, the last songs that we had prepared. At the end of it, we'll just pray over the offering. And you can just bring it forward as we dismiss. At the end of those, Barrett will dismiss you. We definitely got some announcements and some stuff to tell you. She'll tell you at the very end about that. We need, we're going to the fair to bring the love of God into this community. Just pass out a bottle of water here all this week. We need people to help with it. But what I want right now, just keep your eyes closed. It's you and the Lord. And he's saying... Son, daughter, will you be in unity? Will you be what I need you to be? I'm calling you to a higher place. Will you go to that place and stop making excuses for it? Will you go to that place and be who God called you to be? Will you be gentle? Will you be humble? Will you forgive? Will you be patient? Will you strive for the unity as I've commanded he says, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you as a prisoner of God, do it. Do what you have to do. It starts being in unity by making him Lord. And many times, I know many of us, we've accepted Jesus before. I know that many times we've accepted Christ. And, but sometimes, you know, we walk in this world and it's like our, uh, we just feel like we're not, kicking on all cylinders. And it doesn't really matter who you are or what level. I, even today, as I'm pastor and as I'm preaching, I can feel the anointing of God all over me to deliver this message this morning. Even in this morning, I'm going to pray and say, Lord, I need, I need my relationship 100%. 
I need need it on track all the time. I crucify my flesh daily to be who you've called me to be. And this morning I'm saying, no matter who you are or where you are, to be in unity, we've got to be at one with Christ. And it's time to get that right. It's time to be who God called us to be. And so I just invite you to pray with me. And and if you get serious with God, He'll get serious with you. And so as we pray this morning, we rededicate our lives or we dedicate our lives to Jesus for the first time, whether it's again or, or for the first time, Lord, I'm moving on purpose into unity with you this morning. If, you just, if you're saying, Lord, I want to move into unity with you this morning, that's all I'm asking you. Yeah, I want to be in unity with you, Jesus. I recognize I've got to have you. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. No matter if you've done it before or not, but you say, Lord, I see the need of unity. Just raise your hand. Let me see it so I can see it. I see the need to be unified with you. Keep it up. I want to pray for everybody with their hands raised. Lord, i got to be unified with you. And also, to be unified with you, I'm unifying myself with the body of Christ wherever I'm planted. If you're planted here, then you're saying, I'm unified here. I'm going to strive for the unity. If you're planted somewhere else, I'm striving for the unity wherever God plants me, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 18. If that's you, just keep your hands up. Let me see them. Raise them high right now. Lord, you see a people right now who are saying, I've got to be unified with you. And because of that, I will be unified with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we just pray right now. Just mean this with your heart. I'll pray slow. Think on every word. Think on every phrase. And, And you mean it with your heart. You believe in your heart. Don't just operate on my faith. It's between you and God. When you pray and you mean it with your heart, God is listening. And just pray this with me right now. Just say, Father. Say it out loud with your mouth, not just in your mind. Say, Father, right now, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. He's the director. He calls the shots, and I will be obedient. And I believe that He died for me and that He allowed sin on my behalf to take Him to the cross and the grave and to death. And I believe that You brought Him back to life, Father. And You raised Him back to life. Raised Him up out of that grave out of death and the curse and redeemed us with Him. I am redeemed. I am bought back by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am seated with Him in heavenly places. One in Him. He in me. And I in Him. And us in the Father in unity as one today Jesus baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire that I can live unity live your power and glory in Jesus name now just receive just keep your eyes closed Father thank you 
Lord, right now, work a work. Work a work. That's one thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. It brings you into unity with the Father's will. In Romans 8, it says this. When you pray in the Spirit, you pray out that perfect will of God, the will of God that you might not have even known you start to pray the will of God. It unifies your prayer with God's prayer. And the word says this, that angels move at the word of God. So when you start praying like that, angels start working on your behalf because of what God has set in effect. And it brings us to the place where we believe and we are unified together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, thank you for bringing unity now in every way. We, we commit ourselves right now to be unified with believers. We will be in unity. Just say that with me. Just say, Father, I commit right now. I will live a life of unity in Jesus' name. I will strive to keep the unity. I see the importance of it, and I'm going to do it in Jesus' name.